It's your favorite show of the week and mine, Twitter Tuesday on Locked On Vols, is Hendon Hooker returning next season? Which offensive lineman will be back next year? And what are the chances Tennessee can flip a couple, four, or maybe even five-star prospects for the class of 2022? All that, plus how do we combat moral victories? That's Tuesday's lineup here on Locked On Vols. You are Locked On Vols, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Vaults Tuesday edition here on every single platform you find your podcast. I'm Eric Kane. Thanks so much for making Locked On Vaults your first listen. And today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On Vaults sent you. So, like I said, got a fun show. We got plenty of Twitter Tuesday comment or content to get into today. And then I want to have a really good conversation about how do we combat moral victories because I think that there's a lot to draw from uh, that game on Saturday. But again, the, the, the final score was the final score. So a uh, really fun, entertaining show ahead. Again, I'm Eric Kane. Uh, I work at the Sports Animal. It's a flagship station for the University of Tennessee here in Knoxville. I also write for the rival site covering Tennessee. That's VolQuest.com. Let's dive right into it. Great turnout today for Twitter Tuesday. Can't thank you guys enough. And with that being said, we'll go ahead and get started. We've got Corey Jeffries wanting to know, based on the performance this year, how long until we beat the big three, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida? And do you think it'll happen in the year two, three, or four? Uh, Not only was uh, Corey wanting to know about that, but Stephen Skidmore, as well as Greg Smith, wanted to know, kind of based on what we've seen so far, when do you think it's time Tennessee does beat one of the big three? And that's kind of the thing that I talk about every offseason, or I have every offseason that I've been covering this team. It's, okay, you did some good things here in year one or two or whatever year it is under Jeremy Pruitt or now Josh Heupel. Um, here are the positives. You know, offseason conversation, you know, Tennessee can get to eight wins if it does this. Tennessee can get to nine wins if it does this. But what's it really matter? Um, you know, if you if you have eight wins and you, you lose in blowout fashion to Florida, Georgia, Alabama – And in this case, coming into this season, a Pittsburgh or an Ole Miss, what's it even matter? How much ground have you made up? So I love this conversation. And again, we'll talk more and more about it in in segment number three of today's show. But I I just, you can tell, I mean, you can, you got to be blind, you know, watching this football game or just not in tune with football. If you can't see, you know, how Tennessee is improving, is it perfect? No. Does it have deficiencies? Absolutely. Um, there are many areas of the game where Tennessee's struggling right now that it needs to get better at in a hurry. But you can see, I mean, classic example, look at Cedric Tillman. He did nothing in his Tennessee career until this year. I mean, he is, uh, Valus Jones is technically the number one wide receiver in terms of team leading and receptions and yards and all that. But Cedric Tillman is your number one. Javonta Payton is your deep threat. Uh, Valus is your slot. And then Jalen Hyatt's your four right now, which is, again, incredible because we thought, we thought Jalen Hyatt would be able to, uh, you know, come in here and take this offense by storm. But nonetheless, I mean, look at guys like Cedric Tillman. Look at guys like Jeremy Banks. Look at guys like Matthew Butler. Um, look at guys like Theo Jackson. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on about what this coaching staff has done in terms of, uh, you know, turning talent and getting the most out of talent. So, and, and you can see that in a game like Saturday night against Alabama, one-score football game in the fourth quarter, you know Tennessee's being competitive. Tennessee was not competitive in the second half against Florida earlier this season. We'll see what happens against Georgia. That'll be its toughest test. But I don't know. Obviously, I don't think it's going to happen in year one, year two of the two games of the three. You know, ways into uh, this gauntlet for the 2021 schedule. 
you know, maybe in 2022, I can see Tennessee maybe winning one of these games because I think you're going to have a lot of returners on offense. So I would say, in my opinion right now, I mean, I don't know which one. I'm not calling it. There's so much stuff that happens between now and then. You know, maybe Tennessee gets one next year. Hopefully Tennessee can get two, you know, the year after that. And then just making it a consistent ball game from there on out, that's the challenge for Josh Heupel. But good question, uh, Corey, as well as uh, Stephen and Greg. You know, I I think Tennessee has a ways to go right now, but you can certainly see the path to being competitive in those type of football games, and and Tennessee just hasn't been uh, in in quite some time. So uh, we'll move on. We've got Dam0013. His question is, why were the wounded Warriors Warriors still in the ball game in the fourth quarter when the game was out of reach? Dude, I, I don't know. Um, I think Josh Heibel has done so many good things here in year one. One thing that I just can't get behind is his infatuation with leaving Hidden Hooker in the ball game until pretty much the the, the, the whole way through. Uh, he, he did that against Alabama when clearly the game was out of hand there, those last two drives of the fourth quarter. Hidden Hooker's not 100%. Um, he played a heck of a ball game. Get him out there. Don't want to risk further injury. Tyon Evans, get him out there. He's clearly not 100%. I mean, Cooper Mays was, was limping the entire time. You could have saw maybe somebody come in and, and snap the football later in the game, but that is kind of a, a key position there. You don't want to, you never want to take the chance of turning that ball over uh, on one of your last possessions via a snap or something. Um, but I, I'm with you. I, I don't get it. Uh, at Missouri, Tennessee was leading. 56 to 17, I want to say, and Hendon Hooker was still running the football in the fourth quarter of that game. Hendon Hooker played a lot against Tennessee Tech uh, in, in snaps that didn't matter. I, I don't get that. Clearly, that's something Josh Heibel does. He leaves his guys in there, and um, that's what he believes in. So uh, the I, I don't expect that to change any soon, but again, I, I'm not a football coach, but I would have had five parked on the bench there towards the end of the ball game for sure. We will go to our buddy Ernie. Ernie, who won our uh, Locked on Balls ticket giveaway earlier this season. Uh, he says, do you think the coach isn't calling all of his offense because of not having players in which he wants for his offense or lack of depth? Is he holding anything back in his game day calling? Uh, thanks, Kaner and Go Vols. You know, Ernie, I don't think so. Are there things I think Josh Heibel can adapt to the personnel that he has? So if Tennessee has a ton of speedy wide receivers next year, you might adapt. I mean, Tennessee's got... Valus, who's a speedy guy, Peyton, who's a speedy guy, Hyatt, who's a speedy guy, uh, Tillman, who's not. Um, you know, so there are certain play calls you go to Tillman that wouldn't necessarily be the best for the other three, although they can run it. Um, if you got, you know, a big bulking running back, which I don't really think Tennessee ever will have in this offense under Josh Heupel, maybe uh, you call some different type of run plays. I, I don't know. On, on defense, I think Tim Banks is uh, kind of calling his defense to the personnel that he has. It's obvious he wants to be a four-man front but you need to have more edge bodies out there with Tyler Barron and and, and Byron Young. So uh, as far as offense is concerned, I don't think Josh Heupel is holding anything back. He wants to run the football. He's been aggressive in that. He's been aggressive in taking shots down the field. So I wouldn't say that he's really holding anything back. But every coach has some wrinkles that they don't throw out every single year. So I'm sure he is no different. And finally, here to cap off segment number one, we will go to Willie Amshoff and Willie wants to know if Heupel is able to turn things around, how much credit does this team, does this year's team deserve? I like this question because I think this team deserves a lot of credit. It's all about bringing it back or turning the tide. Um, Tennessee was three and seven last year and just looked awful. Tennessee did not have a successful three game, three year stretch under Jeremy Pruitt. Say Tennessee finishes six and six this year and go to a bowl game. T- say Tennessee finishes seven and five 
and goes to a bowl game and you continue on with the stats right now at the at the bye week eight games in where your your, your offense is one of the nation leaders in plays per minute, one of the nation's leaders in, you know, total offense, not up there in the top echelon, but you know what I mean? It's 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 pretty respectable. Uh, in total offense, in, in rushing yards per game, all that type of stuff. If you finish in the front half, uh, you know, somewhere around that three, four, five range in the SEC, I think that deserves a lot of credit because think of where this team was this time last year with the same players. This is house money Josh Heupel's playing with right now. This is house money Tim Banks is playing with right now. So all the success that's coming from this season, and, and again, it's not like these are bad players. There's still a lot of talent on this football team. They're here at Tennessee for a reason, right? But it's not really the you know it doesn't really fit their scheme for every single player you know personnel wise. And so if, if Tennessee is able to you know finish off with a successful season, which I think it will be at six at six at minimum, and maybe get a seventh win, maybe get an eighth win in bowl game or whatever, um, I think this team, this year's team, deserves a whole lot of credit because you're stepping up and, and you're changing the narrative. I think the leadership on this team is really really good compared to where it was this time last year. Guys like Matthew Butler. Guys like Theo Jackson, guys like Cade Mays. Um, I think the leadership is there, and I think that goes a long way. So, Willie, great question there. And that'll do it here for segment one, and we'll have more Twitter Tuesday content in segment number two here of a Tuesday show. But first, prize picks. It's the leader in college sports daily fantasy. It offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers the star players from the Power Five as well as from the mid-majors. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All new users can deposit using the promo code Locked On, and you'll receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just use the promo code Locked On. You pick two to five players, the over and the under, the projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Price Picks allows mixed sports entries as well, so you can take the over in the NBA point total in the LA Golden State game or the under in the Mahomes touchdowns, and sadly, that might be the play this year for Mahomes in Kansas City right now. Use the award-winning app at both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Price Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out PricePicks.com. Use that promo code Locked On, or go to the App Store and download the app today. Price Picks, it's daily fantasy made easy. And the presenting sponsor for this podcast, that is RockAuto.com. Today for this episode, the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain and auto parts store to stock up on all the parts you need. So why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands and specifications their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer. You have access to rockauto.com right in your pocket. Save time and money when using rockauto.com. Why choose to spend up to 30 to 50 to 100% more for the same parts from your chain or store, your chain or auto part dealership store when you can get it online from a family-owned business that's been doing it uh, to the professionals and the do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. RockAuto.com's prices are always so reliably low for every single customer, and you can go check out their easy-to-use website today to find the solutions to your auto part needs. Go to, uh, go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. Right locked on in the How'd You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit my friends at RockAuto.com. Time for segment number two of a Tuesday, Twitter Tuesday edition of Locked On Vols. I'm your host, Eric Kane, at underscore Kaner on Twitter, at Locked On Vols. You can always connect with me, not just on Twitter Tuesdays, but 
throughout the weeks with any questions, comments, or concerns. And Lord knows I get some complaints too. You know where to find me at underscore Kaner and at Kaner on air. That is the Facebook page. Let's get back into it. Locked on Vols, your number one listen here. And I do appreciate that. Make Locked on SEC your number two listen when we get done here in a little bit. Uh, Greg Smith, he wants to know, as well as Lil Dover 2412, will Hendon Hooker return next season? So there's not been an announcement by any stretch of the imagination. Of course, you're still playing uh, this football season. Hendon Hooker didn't even come into the season as the starting quarterback. But I will say Hendon Hooker does have another year of eligibility that he may use. Um, There's an expectation that he's returning. Again, there's been no announcement. You wouldn't expect to hear an announcement from him until after the season is over. But he's not really projected as an NFL guy right now. I mean, if he continues to, to play the way he is, maybe that changes by season's end. And But regardless, I think he could really help his stock and improve his worth by coming back another year. Look at Kenny Pickett uh, for uh, for Pitt. I mean, you got a guy that's literally, literally one of the best quarterbacks in the country right now, Kenny Pickett. Okay, Pittsburgh is a surprise team in all college football, in, in my opinion. Um, he had a chance to call quits, but he decided to be a super senior comeback, and he is going to play himself into a draftable player. Maybe that's Hendon Hooker next year. I don't know. But um, I expect Hendon Hooker to be back because why not come back, play, improve your stock? And, and that's the case for a lot of these guys who would be super seniors next year. Guys like a Cedric Tillman. Guys like maybe a Jerome Carvin. Guys like maybe a, an Elante Taylor. Um, you know, Elante's probably got the best uh, chance of being drafted of any of those guys, and we're early on in the, prog- in the process. But those are the type of guys that I think Tennessee could really welcome back next year and have this thing rolling next year as well, year two in the system. So I expect Hooker to return next year. It's not official, of course, uh, but we will have to see as the season goes on and really as the offseason begins. We will go to CG23 and CG underscore 23, and he wants to know about rating the transfer portal in the offseason. Kaner, my man, how much of an offseason portal raid do you see this staff doing, especially on the defensive side? Feels like the edge rushers and linebacker depth are so key. Also, a quarterback, if there's one to compete with uh, number five, which is Hendon Hooker and Taven Jackson. So, you know, Tennessee's 2022 recruiting class sits at 14 right now, 10 of which a hail from the offensive side of the football. So they've got some ground to make up in terms of uh, getting defenders to sign, which they will. But I still think this is going to be a heavy, you know, a heavy hand is going to be in the transfer portal. And because of that new rule that was passed to kind of help alleviate rosters that were just decimated by the transfer portal this offseason, Tennessee being one of those, you can, some uh, depending on the case, you can bring in up to seven more additional players from the transfer portal that add to your 25. So we'll have to see how that all plays out. I mean, again, I cover recruiting, and people say, how many how many spots are left? How many spots are left? And it's so confusing half the time, I don't even know. i got to be completely honest with you. And the people that I talk to, they get confused about it a lot of the times as well. I mean, most of the time it comes down to point blank, you know, going over to, uh, you know, not student affairs, what am I thinking of? The compliance office. There you go, the compliance office to, uh, uh, to get that information. So... Um, I expect Tennessee to go out and, and try to attack the transfer portal, bring in some guys who can help immediately. Linebacker would be a position for sure. Maybe defensive line, depending on how many you lose. Um, you know, guys like that. And and we'll see about quarterback. You know, what is um what does Joe Milton do this offseason? Uh, that 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 intrigues me. Harrison Bailey, 
nothing has happened yet, but I don't expect Harrison Bailey to be on this football team much longer, uh, to, to be completely honest with you. I think that he is a, a transfer portal um, destination type guy, and I think that that's going to happen sooner rather than later. Of course, nothing's happened yet, but I expect that to happen sooner rather than later. So what happens with Harrison Bailey? What happens with Hendon Hooker? Or what happens with, uh, with Joe Milton? Of course, what happens with Hendon Hooker, too, you, you're bringing in Taven Jackson, but if, it, if this year's taught us anything, you can never have enough quarterbacks. If last year taught us anything, you can never have enough quarterbacks. Um, you know, especially with Brian Maurer leaving in preseason, you were down to three scholarship quarterbacks when you entered the month of June with five. And so I think quarterback would be a spot to where you might go out and try to bring somebody in as well. Hey, it's worked out for this season, right? And you can thank Jeremy Pruitt for that because he's the one that went out there and got Hendon Hooker. Let's go on to K Wayne, eighteen hundred. Our O line is very thin next year. Do you expect improvement next year? Uh, do we have anyone coming in that could help? And which players are we losing versus returning on the offensive line? Really good question. Um, in terms of do I think that the offensive line will be better next year? I, I think it will. Year two in the system, year two of playing in pace. Uh, Tennessee has played with injuries on the offensive line for most of this year. I mean, your starting center has barely played, right? And Cooper Mates. You've had a rotating panel of left guards. It was Ollie Lane, then it was Kingston Harris, then he went out for a while. Now it's back to Ollie Lane, and now you're back to what should be your starting five. Of course, Cade Mays didn't play last uh, last game. Cade Mays, I don't really expect to return. I feel like he's NFL bound. We'll see about Jerome Carvin, but I do expect, even though he's draft eligible, I expect Darnell Wright to return. I expect, of course, Cooper Mays, Javante Spragans. Kron Calbert's an interesting uh, fellow because he has a year of eligibility left, and because of his injury, he's working to get back and to try to contribute in some way this year, and I think that's a real possibility, but he's pretty much missed the entire year almost, and so will he want to entertain the thought of coming back for another year? I think that'd be very, very welcoming if he would so for uh, for Tennessee. But outside of those guys, Jackson Lampley will return. Jeremiah Crawford will return. Kingston Harris will return. Uh, Darnell Wright will return. Of course, things can happen just in terms of eligibility if they can. Uh, Cooper Mays is here. William Parker will return. Parker Ball will return. Dane Davis returns. Um, I don't think Cade Mays will. R.J. Perry returns. James Robinson returns. Uh, Nick Edwards returns. Karon Calvert will see. Jerome Carvin will see. Spragans returns. Chris Ockperogene has eligibility remaining, and Ollie Lane has eligibility remaining as well. And coming in in this class for uh, 2022 on the offensive line, you have right now Brian Grant, who I wouldn't think to be a factor next year. He's a projected type player down the line. Masai Reddick, kind of the same thing, offensive lineman. Uh, Maurice Clipper, who is a pretty good player, and then Addison Nichols, who's probably the most game-ready player, but I don't think any of those guys will be immediate contributors uh, next season. So, Kay Wayne, good question, and we'll move on to Eric Schaefer. Uh, Eric Schaefer wants to know, minus Walter Nolan, what four- to five-star uh, recruits that Tennessee have a shot at getting or flipping in the 2022 class? All right, so disclaimer, of course, recruiting is always fluid. What I say now could change tomorrow. Um, and again, these are just off the top of my head, so there are others, I'm sure. But off the top of my head, outside of Walter Nolan, of course, he's the big fish right now. Tennessee's trying to get in. Uh, Cody Jones, who is a four-star safety. He's currently a Michigan commit, but he's a Tennessee kid. Tennessee's been talking to him. Jeremiah Caldwell, a former Kentucky commit. He's not committed anywhere right now. Um, he's a four-star defensive back. Uh, Tennessee is very much in conversations with him. 
You have Jordan Thomas, who is maybe the closest one to committing right now. We'll have to see. Uh, four-star running back Dallin Hayden, who, of course, is a, an Ohio State commit. He is a Vol legacy. His father, uh, Aaron, played here, and um, he's an Ohio State commit. But I'm not saying that Tennessee has a real shot here, but he was at the game a couple weeks ago against Ole Miss. And so, you know, we'll see. We'll see down the line what happens with Dallin Hayden. I don't think the door is completely shut on that one, but, I mean, if it's cra- if it's open, it is cracked by the slimmest of margins. Uh, Joshua Josephs, a three-star edge Tennessee can hopefully bring in. Emory Jones and Demario Tolan are two LSU commits, both four-star. One's a guard, one is an uh, outside linebacker, and um, Tennessee has been talking to those guys, but uh, they look to be pretty, uh, pr- pretty solidified with LSU right now. So those are just a couple of names that came off the top of my head. Of course, those aren't all, but uh, those are just a couple to give you a working list there, uh, Eric. All right, next up, we go to Tyler. Add Locked On Balls with the bot. Let's open up to the future here on Twitter Tuesday. What's the position on the field? Do you see Heibel needing to target hardest and recruiting this offseason? I've kind of already touched on that a little bit. Plus, how many pickups do we need to feel more complete as a whole for the class of 2022? Yeah, again, Tennessee's got 14 commits, 10 on the offensive end. Uh, 25 is kind of that threshold. Tennessee might have a little leeway with bringing in some more players via the transfer portal to go over that 25. You need to work defense. Got to work defense. Got to work defense. Tennessee will look to bring in one more wide receiver and one more running back in this class, but really the rest of the way, you've got to go uh, defense, defense, defense for sure. Uh, We'll move on. We'll go to Bruce on the loose. I was wondering, I heard that we are in the 70s for scholarship players. Out of those 70 or so, how many are hurt? In other words, are we playing with about 60 uh, scholarship players right now? You know, that's something I should probably keep better track of in terms of the overall numbers. I'm not really versed in that. I I I don't think Tennessee's playing with just 60 scholarship players right now. I don't. I mean, when you talk about injured players, Kingston Harris has been out for quite some time. Karon Calvert's been out for so, quite some time. Juwan Mitchell is out for the season. And those are really the only the three players that have missed extended period of time. Uh, you've got true freshman uh, Trinity Bell, who is yet to suit up. He's dealing with an offseason injury. And, you know, outside of that, I can't really think of any more. And so the numbers are not where they need to be, but I think that I'm pretty confident in saying that it's it's more than 60 for sure. So... Um, that's that's kind of what we'll go with there. And last but not least, we'll go to my favorite Twitter handle on this account. That is over underscore throw underscore Joe. I see Josh Heupel absolutely destroying the transfer portal during the offseason. Do you foresee any staff changes at season's end? Well, it'd be great if he could keep his staff intact, but that's not really the way of college football, right? I haven't heard of any chatter right now. Of course, you're still coaching in season. That will pick up in the offseason, but... I mean, you know, it's you got Tim Banks who's doing a marvelous job as defensive coordinator. Does he want to go somewhere else and make more money? What about I don't see Rodney Garner leaving anywhere. What about Mike Eckler? What about Ryan John Marie, who's done an incredible job with the linebackers? I don't anticipate Willie Martinez going anywhere. On the offensive side of the football, all these guys are kind of close and intact. Maybe uh I don't know. I mean, does does Cody Burns want to go somewhere, maybe get a pay raise? It's all about can you take a stepping stone, get a better job, and get paid more money, and then ultimately climb those ranks and become a coordinator and a head coach if that's what you want to be. So um, I don't anticipate this the staff staying together completely because that's just not how it works, but I don't see any massive uh, overhauls in terms of the uh, the coaching staffs uh, here in this offseason. All right, that's going to do it for Twitter Tuesday. Great job, guys. Thank you so much for participating and getting me in all those questions. Don't forget, every Tuesday here on Locked on Vols, it is Twitter Tuesday at underscore Kaner and at Locked on Vols. Sweat block, all right? It is 
something that we need, especially if you're, uh, you know, a lot of times I'm talking to the guys here, but it's for the girls as well, okay? East Tennessee, the weather is all over the place. It could be 65 and muggy one day and then 80 and sunny the next day, and all that can be in the month of October, okay? Um, if you have the embarrassing you know, sweat uh, dripping from your backside, from your gut, from your pit stains, let's clear that up with sweat block, okay? I have some uh, testimonies here for you, all right? Testimonials. We have a story here about a high school teacher. When he pit out a fourth period, he'd hear the snickers and the whispers from his students. So he started bringing a second shirt to change in between classes. Then he heard about sweat block on our program, and he tried it and is now hooked. No more snickers, no more second shirt. Okay, that's that's a great player. Let's or that's a great story. Let's go to. Another successful story about an avid soccer player. Heard us talking about sweat block and thought it was a good it was too good to be true, but he was always the wettest guy after practice and games and pretty much soaking wet. So he thought he'd give sweat block a shot. He tried on his pits, and the next practice his pits were dry while everything else was wet. Guess he really should have used it on other parts as well. But he says he didn't have to reapply for nine days. Now he's a true believer in sweat block. So there you go. Locked on listeners loving sweat block. It stops excessive sweating up to seven days per use. It's doctor-created and doctor-recommended. It's the dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. If you or someone you care about is dealing with excessive sweat, you have to check out sweat block. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code Locked On. Get it at Amazon or your local CVS. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We've got a final segment left here of a Tuesday Locked On Balls. Thanks so much for joining us here today and hanging out with me. It means more to me than you'll ever know. Thanks so much for your support of this podcast. The numbers have been fantastic. We're one of the leaders in the college channel of Locked On Balls, and it's all because of you. So thank you so much. Uh, we will discuss something that you know kind of kind of just came up to me I did a couple of radio hits on uh, on Monday outside of of course my regular work on the starting lineup the sports animal uh, Monday morning and, and when when talking about this game describing what Tennessee did against Alabama I kept saying well you know 52 to 24 that's the final score you can't move past it but boy was it a lot closer than what that final score indicated I kept on saying Alabama got two cheap touchdowns at the end of the game pretty much uh, 14. Uh, give me points, which is true. I kept saying it was a one-score football game in the fourth quarter, which is true. I kept bringing up with the pauses that Tennessee did, and I kept talking and talking. I'm like, man, it sounds to me like I am just, I am just moral victoring this thing up, right? <laughs> and I'm, I'm not trying to do that, um, but I do think it's important to stress to you guys and to just, just you know, bring to attention how much improved this team really is. Did it win the football game? No, it didn't. Final score, 52-24. It looks like a blowout. That was the most Bush League cover I think I've ever seen from Alabama the other night. I mean, seriously. And I know a lot of you guys listening right now probably probably took Tennessee to cover a bet online. And you probably were, were pissed off you know, because not only did Tennessee lose a football game, but Tennessee didn't cover that spread. And so 
Um, but you know, the, a couple of cheap scores because of, of short field position at the end of the ball game kind of allowed that to happen. And so I, I, you know, I keep talking and discussing and, and kind of going over and over this Tennessee Alabama game, and I keep on feeling, man, I'm like talking to myself. I'm like, Eric, dude, you are screaming moral victory here, and, and I don't. I don't believe in moral victories, but I do believe in pointing out the positives and pointing out where this team can improve. You guys know I'm going to point out the negatives. You guys know I'm going to point out the flaws. I think that's part of being a respectable journalist and and and, and broadcaster is not being biased. You know, playing both sides and and pointing out the truths in every matter. Um, but I do, I do think it's important to have this conversation. Tennessee goes down to Alabama. Uh, much like down in Florida, and held a brief lead in this football game. It was 14-7 to in the second quarter, okay? Uh, Tennessee never got that lead back, but every time Alabama tried to put it away, Tennessee would punch back. Uh, remember whenever, I've got my stat sheet here, I can look it up to be for certain, but I remember in that second half whenever Alabama marched down and you know scored a touchdown, Byron Young capping off an 11-play 80-yard drive that took five minutes off the clock, and that brought the score to... Uh, 31-17, well, Tennessee on second play from that drive went deep, Cedric Tillman 70 yards, and, and brought it back within a touchdown ball game at 31-24. I mean, just stuff like that, right? You know, Tennessee just wouldn't go away. And you can see how improved this this football team is just by looking at some of these players. I mean, there are defined roles in the uh, in the receiver room right now. You know, Valus Jones can do a little bit of everything, but he's kind of your, your quick hitter underneath guy. You throw some screens to him, try to get him in space, see what he can happen. Uh, Cedric Tillman is your possession receiver, and he had a career game the other night, so good for him. Uh, Javante Payton is your deep threat, and Jalen Hyatt's starting to get a little bit more run here of late, kind of work him himself in. He can do a little bit more than just being a deep threat as well. Um so, you know, Tennessee does that very, very well. Defensively, Tennessee forced a turnover. You know, that's good. It didn't capitalize on that turnover. Special teams, Tennessee blocked another punt. I tweeted this out the other night. Tennessee has blocked two punts so far this season, both by both by true freshmen. Christian Charles against Pittsburgh and Deshaun Rucker against Alabama. Now, Tennessee is forcing opportunities, creating opportunities for itself, and it's not going away. Plus, I mean, with Hidden Hooker, I mean, he's playing lights out right now. You're talking about the third best quarterback rating in the entire country. I mean, that's phenomenal. Think back on the last couple of years whenever Tennessee's just not had anything good to say about quarterback play or really offensive play to begin with. So, yeah, Tennessee did a lot of good things on Saturday night. Tennessee did a lot more good things Saturday night than it did against Florida in December of 2020, than it did against Alabama in November or whatever of 2020, than it did against... Um, Georgia in 2020, and that can be the same for 2019 and so on and so forth. I feel like Tennessee's done a lot more, and I feel like Tennessee is also still shooting itself in the foot, not having a run game that, that you can depend on, throwing that late interception in the fourth quarter uh, that, that let the score get out of hand, not taking advantage of creating a turnover against one of the best teams in the entire country, just stuff like that. So, again, I'm not trying to moral victory this thing up, but I do think you watch that football game and so many of you guys have messaged me and said, hey, I'm proud of the team. They're playing hard. You can you can see improvements. You can see improvements. And I know that's not going to erase all the pain and the anger right now because Tennessee still lost 52-24. to Tennessee is 4-4 four and four on the season. Tennessee has a losing record in SEC play at 2-3. and three. But as I wrote at VolQuest.com on Monday, eight games in, Tennessee's right on pace. I mean, how many of us sitting back in June and July – and, and maybe even May are saying, okay, you know, if you're like me, and on this podcast I said it, Tennessee can crawl to six wins. That is still the case. 
Tennessee might only end up with six wins this year, but you're still crawling. Why? Because all you have to do is beat South Alabama and Vanderbilt. Okay, that is easy. You know why? Because Tennessee already beat Missouri in, in one of those toss-up games. It allowed yourself the opportunity. It handled business against a team it should have clobbered, which it did in South Carolina. Now, Tennessee could very well pick up a seventh win in the regular season at Kentucky next time it goes out there on the field. I think Tennessee is very, very, it matches up very well against Kentucky. And we'll have more on that over the next two weeks. But, you know, you could get a win number seven. Uh, you know, you wanted this offense to score anywhere around 30 to 33 points. Well, this offense is scoring 37 points. You wanted better quarterback play? Well, you're getting great quarterback play, especially compared to what you've been getting here lately. You wanted the running game to be respectable? Well, outside of a couple of games, the running game has been really, really solid. It does not run the ball well against Florida overall. It did not run the well it did not run the ball well against Alabama at all. But outside of that, it's ran the ball pretty well. It struggled at times against Ole Miss, which was head-scratching, but at the end of the day, it got it, it got what it needed to. And I think Jabari Small finished with 96 yards, and of course, Hendon Hooker went over the century mark on the ground as well. Defensively, no expectations. I had no expectations of this defense whatsoever. The, the Rodney Gardner effect. You knew he'd get that group playing. I just didn't think that he'd have as many guys that he felt comfortable playing he said, first of all, I mean, he said one of his first time he talked to us, he said, hey, I play a lot of guys. In the 2010, 2011, whatever national championship team he was on with Auburn coaching, he said, in the 12 regular season games, I think I had 11 different starting combinations on the defensive line. But Tennessee is getting great play from Matthew Butler. Tennessee is getting really solid play from Jaquan Blakely, from Caleb Tremblay, from Deshaun Terry, from Amari Thomas, stuff like that. Um, and again, I've talked about, I've talked to nauseam about what this linebacking group has done and it's not great whatsoever, but it's respectable. And so, um, you know, I, I just think that Tennessee is on pace to do exactly what we thought it would do eight games in here at the bye week, but on paper it's excelling. I mean, it really is excelling in a number of areas. So I think it's important to talk about those things and that's why I'm going to do it here on our podcast. Locked on Vols, a Twitter Tuesday edition. It is in the book. Thanks so much for making Locked on Vols your number one listen. Locked on SEC, your number two listen of the day with Chris Gordy. Five days a week, SEC content. That is Locked on SEC. We'll catch up with Josh Ward for Award Wednesday show. We'll take a look at the Pro Football Focus grades. That's coming up on a Wednesday show. Can't wait to talk to you then, guys. Thanks so much, and enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, everybody. Tuesday, everybody.